Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to Scran, I'm Rosalind Erskine and this is a podcast dedicated to Scottish food and drink. I can't believe it's episode 10 already, thank you so much for listening along the way. We've had an amazing lineup so far, from master blenders to famous chefs, herbalists and so many more. I hope you've ventured out and tried some of the food and drink mentioned on this podcast, I know I have. This week we have some great things in store for you. I'll be heading to the Hebridean Barn Restaurant in Glasgow to chat to Iona Cairns, the Harris Gin Ambassador about the Island Distillery, known as the Social Distillery, and how this award-winning spirit came to be. But first, we have Gabby Souter, the Scotsman food critic, in the studio. Hi, Gabby. Hi there. So it's been a while since you were last on the podcast, and it's nice to have you back. Thank you. What have you been up to in this time? I've been doing my usual reviews, one a week, churning them out for the Scotsman magazine. So I've been to quite a lot of places, mainly in Edinburgh at the moment. Um, there's lots of places opening, as always. I know you mentioned last time that you were that Glasgow was slightly exciting you more than Edinburgh. Did you manage to go through since I think we spoke in December? No, well, I did manage to go to 88 on Dumbarton Road, oh, yeah. which used to be the two fat ladies. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you been? No, but I've heard a lot of good things. So it, was it good? Yeah, it's really good. It's really nice. It's kind of small plates and um, quite casual, really good cocktails. Um, so that's good. So yeah, I still feel like there's more happening in Glasgow at the moment. It's a bit more exciting anyway. I'd like to go to Kapow. Oh yeah, me too. Um, the menu looks great and I might go soon. <laughs> Undercover. And Gloriosa sounds really good. So yeah, there's quite a few good things. And Sugo, I think everyone in Glasgow has been to Sugo because it's so busy when I went, sort of in between Christmas and New Year, it was totally heaving, such an easy place to kind of pop in and spend a tenner and get some really nice pasta. So uh, yes, that's a that's a good place to visit if you're in the centre of town in Glasgow. Edinburgh-wise, there's a new Ting Tai on Lothian Road, which is good because everyone loves the original and uh, it's a bit like Glasgow's Sugo and it's always so busy and popular. Everyone loves it for, for cheap eats. So yeah, that's a favourite. So that's a lot of uh, new openings and things to look out for to try, but is there anything that you reckon would be best avoided? Not really. I mean, I've been to a few that haven't been that exciting in Edinburgh recently. The reviews aren't out yet, so I won't tell you what they are, but they're kind of, you know, just kind of average. I I wasn't that much of a fan of German Donner Kebab on Lothian Road, but you know, maybe that's my problem, but I didn't really get it and uh, wasn't a huge fan of what they're serving up. But, you know, other people might feel differently about it. And I, I wasn't really a great fan of tattoo either. I think I said that in the last podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, they're doing a lot of discounts now and that might get people in. I think if, you know, if the food was a lot cheaper, mm-hmm. it was probably more appealing because um, it's pretty expensive for what it is yeah 
Yeah, I was. Uh, I used to live out in Dubai, and there was a German Donner kebab. And oh, really? Yeah, I feel like it had its place and time at one o'clock in the morning. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I kind of felt it wasn't. I, I mean, I've done the kebab thing at one o'clock in the morning, and I and I get it, mm-hmm. but I just felt it didn't satisfy that sort of junk food yeah. itch. It was almost kind of like, and the chips were. You've got to have good chips, and yeah. they were terrible. Oh, so, no. Oh, no. <laughs> so you've been there, you know. Yeah, I just yeah, I remember it being. There was something about it, it was like a, more like a waffle than. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. It's kind of a lighter, wafflier thing. Maybe the Germans among us might no, but then maybe not. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's not my it's not my junk food of choice. I don't think the doner kebab. I'd rather have fish and chips or something. <laughs> Well, we'll look out for your restaurant reviews in the Saturday magazine and I'm sure we'll speak to you again soon. Thanks very much. Hey, thank you. I'm here in the Hebridean with Iona Cairns from Harris Gin. Uh, the Hebridean is a modern gastropub in Glasgow's West End. It's on Great Western Road, which is the main road that runs through the West End and goes all the way up to the Highlands. It's also got an, an interior design which is full of um, things from the Hebrides, including uh, lovely Harris Tweed seats, which we're currently sitting on. As you can probably imagine, it's called the Hebridean because it focuses on food and drink from the Hebrides. Uh, one of those drinks is Harris Gin, which makes it a great location to speak to Iona about about the gin. So hi there Iona. Hi there. Hi, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm great, thank you. Uh, so we're here uh, in the Hebridean to talk about Harris Gin and you are the brand ambassador. Can you tell me a bit about the gin, what makes it different from others out there and why the distillery decided to start making a gin? Yes, of course. So the Isle of Harris Gin um, is obviously from the Outer Hebridean Island of the Isle of Harris, which is on the northwest corner of the Hebrides. Um, it's attached to the Isle of Lewis. Beautiful, beautiful island for anyone that's been will, will know it's amazing landscape, the beaches, and of course the warmth of the people and the great hospitality um, the island brings. So hopefully the sort of vision behind the, the gin was to create something that sums up Harris. And so even if you've never been to the island, hopefully by the the look of the bottle, um, you know, the design, the taste of the gin, it'll give you an idea of what the island's about. And it's a way of sharing a wee piece of Harris with everyone around the world. And for many people that they can pour a Harris gin for themselves and it'll take them back to a nice time there on such a special wee place. I've been actually and it is totally beautiful. So if anyone has seen pictures of those turquoise beaches, they are, it is correct, when it's sunny. Absolutely. That's the thing. It's um, You have to go prepared for all sorts of weather in one day. But it's if you get some sunshine, then it really is beautiful. And the, the turquoise water and everything, just like the bottom of the bottle. So the distillery is relatively new I know that a lot of the islands have uh, like an, uh, an illegal distilling history is it <laughs> is it is that kind of the backstory of that or well well I, I, that's that's funny actually you hear all these sort of tales about back in the day and you know what people got up to and making sort of as you say this sort of wee illegal distilleries and I'm sure there's many a story of, of Harris as well as the other Hebridean islands there's islanders are sort of known to be fond of a dram but the the Isle of Harris distillery it really started because of the you know the worry of the population of the island so like many rural places in Scotland Harris has had a declining population over the last few years you know certainly if you're looking back to the sort of 1960s and 70s the population of the island was around four to five thousand people and they would all be you know very much leaving school and working on the island that was crofting or, or fishing and family businesses and whatnot but nowadays very much the trend is to leave and go to you know 
Glasgow, for example, or Edinburgh, go to university. I think more, you know, more young people leaving school are going on to further education. And then when they're coming out uh, here, they're getting good career opportunities and, you know, of course, salaries and, and things change. And that makes it very hard for them to return home. And, you know, many, I've got many friends included that have wanted to go back home to, to the island and they find it really, really difficult because of the lack of jobs that were available at the sort of, I suppose, the sort of standard of career that are used to maybe getting on the mainland. So that is really the foundation to why the distillery was created. It was all started by, by one man called Anderson Bakewell, who's our founder. And we call him Burr. That's his sort of nickname. So you might hear me referring to him as Burr. He's been coming to Harris actually for a number of years since he was a young man in his 20s I believe and he was traveling in Scotland he's originally from America and and since then he just fell in love with the island felt a real sense of belonging there brought his family um, over on holiday for you know year after year and became a, a real sort of character in the community and, you know, 50 years then passed and he had, for, through his own eyes, seen the decline in the population on the island and the, you know, the sort of ageing population, young people leaving. And he really wanted to, to help and do something about it. And he thought, how can we do something that will bring people back, allow people job opportunities here, you know, to come home with their families, to stay in Harris. And for people that have never even lived there to come over and set up life and make Harris an attractive place to live. So what better idea than a distillery? Um, something that will hopefully be there for you know the, in the next generation to come in hundreds of years. And um, that's really how it all began. So he had this great vision that we would create the Isle of Harris distillery, which of course is a whiskey distillery, first and foremost. And the, and the gin was, is obviously much quicker to make, so that's why it's out just now. And it's, and it's great. And we've we were able to open the doors back in 2015 and create, um, straight off the bat, create 10 jobs for, for island people. And that now has expanded to, to nearly 40 on the island, which is just fantastic and will hopefully continue to grow as time goes on. Yes, it's great. I've seen pictures. I've never actually been to the distillery, but I've seen pictures and it looks lovely. And I'm always intrigued by the Twitter because your cafe's got really nice cakes. It looks like it's got really good cakes. So I'm like, I need to go there. It does. That is Mary, our lovely baker. Mary does all the amazing baking week in and week out, as well as we've got Kate and Murdo in the canteen who are are fantastic they run the show there and you can get everything from a gin of course to a coffee a bowl a bowl of soup and you walk in the doors into the distillery and the very first thing that meets you is this beautiful roaring peat fire and that was Burr's idea because he wanted to you know show something that would symbolize uh, um, what's so special about Harris and that is of course the warmth of the the hospitality the people are just you know amazing just so kind-hearted very generous and it's important that that's represented in the distilleries so yeah it's very important that we're able to create a, a sense of, of what the island's all about and you know in my job as well in Glasgow hopefully trying to bring that to, to each event that we do here as well a wee, a wee taste of the distillery. So back to the gin one of the main botanicals in the gin is hand-dived sugar kelp also for anyone that doesn't really know gin juniper is usually the main botanical and then it can be there's no sort of legal stipulations that say that you can and can't use different things so part of the Scottish gin boom has been 
people using different botanicals, local botanicals, to create different tastes. So as you said, to showcase different parts of Scotland. And Harris's is hand dive sugar kelp. So can you tell me a bit about the significance of that? Yes, of course. So sugar kelp is our local botanical. So as you mentioned before, you in gin, you always have to have juniper. And then there's other botanicals. So we have a total of nine um, in the Isle of Harris gin. And each one adds to it, gives its own wee special bit of flavour. But of course, sugar kelp is the main one. It's the main botanical. It's the local one. It really gives the most flavour. You mentioned there it's hand-dyed, which is true. We've got our, our lovely diver, Lewis McKenzie, who's from the Isle of Lewis. And Lewis is a fisherman. And now he, over the, the summer months, he die, hand dives for, for the sugar kelp and he brings it up and it's dried out and stored away and then it's taken down and it's used in the, you know, the production of the gin. It's quite a, a powerful taste actually. Um, it gives a really nice maritime coastal flavour and obviously that's so important because as I mentioned earlier, we're trying to represent something that in the gin and the taste that reminds people of Harris and of course when you go to Harris, it, you're just surrounded by the, the sea everywhere and it's so beautiful and it's that lovely fresh sea air. So hopefully the, the kelp really gives that taste to people. And the fact that it's hand dive, I assume that means it's a bit it's more sustainable so you're not using you know machinery to dredge up the coastline or anything yeah absolutely it's really sustainable which is great so you know in terms of production as well we can we can keep making gin so there's there's no worry there also something that been should mention is we've got our aromatic water so i don't know if you've you've heard of that but it is sugar kelp aromatic water and it's in a, a wee bottle and it's basically to enhance the taste of the main botanical so you can add a couple of drops into your gnt or if you like to have your your gin neat and it just adds more of that maritime sort of coastal flavor really enhances the sugar kelp taste it completely depends on everyone's personal taste everyone's taste buds are different and so some people really love to add a you know a few drops into their gin other people might be happy with just the gin as it is on its own if you try it with the gin neat you'll notice the the change kind of straightens out a wee bit and you uh, lose almost a citrusy taste and which is appealing to some people but also if you you don't want to use it in your gin all the time it's a, a great added extra for cooking so you can use it in seafood pan fries scallops or on top of smoked salmon and different things like that um, so you can be really creative with it and I know that some of the chefs actually in here in the Hebridean when it started out and there was a launch night they were using our sugar kelp aromatic water over their seafood canopies so so I've got some so I'll need to try that because I'm not I didn't know you could use it in cooking <laughs> yeah no absolutely I think I think people are always surprised when you say you can cook with it because you're just you know it was obviously out there for the the gym and it was a lady called Amanda that she created it and Amanda is lovely and actually a great example of someone that's been able to move their life up to Harris. She's originally from down south and now herself and her dogs are up on the island and she's becoming a great, a great part of the community. And we're excited to have her because hopefully that will mean that she can do some more work for us and it'll be exciting to see what she can come up with. And would you say that the aromatic water, is that part of the Harris Gin Perfect Serve suggestion? It is, yeah. So if if anyone's out there with a bottle of Harris gin in their, their cupboard, then the best way to drink it is a, a good healthy measure, of course. We don't like to <laughs> don't like to be shy. Some ice and a nice slice of um, grapefruit as well. And then we'd recommend uh, one or two drops of the aromatic water. And then in terms of tonic, you know, 
any nice kind of premium tonic, we certainly recommend Walter Greger. It's run by a, a lovely husband and wife from Aberdeenshire and they're great supporters of our distillery and it's a, a good Scottish tonic as well. And so you mentioned before, um, we're talking about the, the scenery in Harris and the, the amazing blue sea and you mentioned that that's reflected in the bottle. Can you tell me a bit about the, which has now become a fairly iconic design and how much you think this design has played a part in the popularity of the gin? Yes, absolutely. I think, you know, you're, you're spot on there. The bottle is the first thing that everyone sees. So before they've even tried the gin, hopefully people are taken in by, by the bottle. And, and certainly in my role with the distillery, doing a lot of events, I always get comments about the bottle and how people put fairy lights in it or made it into a lamp and, you know, different ways to upcycle upcycle it which is just fantastic the bottle as I sort of briefly mentioned before was to represent Harris so the idea is it's like a message in a bottle and it's been rolled up on one of the beautiful beaches on the island and that's why if you notice if you look carefully there's wee sort of smooth indents on the side which are great for for actually getting the grip of the bottle when you're pouring but the idea is that they've been bashed against the rocks you know it's it's come up in the waves so it's not quite perfect and then of course the nice ripple effect that runs through it is the ripples in the sand and as the waves come in and out and of course the beautiful blue color in the bottle which is it just stands out is of course the color of the sea on a sunny day <laughs> And then we have the natural cork at the top and it's got a lovely wee hand put on label which has got the coordinates of our distillery on it. So that's quite important. If anyone's looking how to get to Harris then they just need to buy a bottle of gin and they can follow that and find their way. And then actually my favourite bit of the bottle is right in the bottom and it's my favourite bit because not many people actually realise it's there. And if you turn your bottle upside down you'll realise it's engraved in Latin and the translation to the to the saying is to be rather than seem to be. So that is from our founder Burr. It was his family motto and he sort of passed it on to our distillery and as a nice sort of we nod to him, it's on the bottom of every bottle that's um, sold of Isle of Harris Gin. So it's a great sort of symbol of our honesty and being open about everything we do and what we're trying to achieve for the island of Harris. I've never noticed that, I'll need to have a look. <laughs> <laughs> and also, so you mentioned that the, the bottles have become really popular. I myself have put fairy lights in one of mine and I've seen them for sale as like lamp bases but a few years ago there was a shortage and a bottle ration so how have you counteracted demand for the gin and subsequently the wonderful bottles that everyone wants to just have? Well you're you're absolutely right there was a couple of years ago a bit of a shortage in the bottles and part of the reason for that was the when you know Isle of Harris Gin first came out at the end of 2015 and we're absolutely amazed by the positive response the gin got you know not just on Harris but from from all over Scotland but we didn't expect this at all you know I think originally the idea was we thought there would be a member of staff going to the post office once a week and shipping off a box here and there and it's it's far from that now you know the ferry's the ferry's full every day when when it sails (laughs) going in in and out of of the island full of gin Um, so originally there was a few sort of teething problems and one being that the the people that make the bottle couldn't quite keep up with the, the demand that we had. But once they realised the demand and everything, we were able to sort that out. There's plenty of, of bottles to go about and I'm sure it won't happen again. So there's lots of gin out there to be consumed. And lots of bottles to make into lamp, uh, lamp bases. Absolutely. <laughs> um, and the label has a bit of a story as well, doesn't it? It does, yeah. So the, the label on the front of the bottle has got wee specks of Italian copper and that actually represents the still that the gin's made in. 
which is known as the Dautic, which is sort of a sort of Gaelic name, I suppose, a, a sort of pet name for a, a lady that lived on the Isle of Scarp, which is just off the Isle of Harris. And she was a good friend of our chairman, Burr. And she was also meant to be known as a bit of a feisty but very warm character. And we thought that was a good representation of, of the gin, you know, the sort of the, the feistiness and the flavours, but a nice warm, soothing taste as well. So that is why our still is called the Dautic. So I mentioned it's Italian corporate from Siena and the wee specs and the label represent it. I suppose it does all the magic that, that produces the spirit. And then if you look closely, there's a few darker specs as well. And that represents the sugar kelp. So as we mentioned before, that's the main botanical in the Isle of Harris Gin. And without it, it wouldn't be, wouldn't be quite so special to the island. Speaking of people loving the gin, why do you think people love it so much? Because it's voted favourites and like, I think the Scottish Gin Society, they do like a, right, a roundup yeah. and it's often voted the best. So what is it you think, what do you think it is about it that people love so much? Oh, well, I think, you know, there's, there's a few elements, in my opinion, to why, why people love it so much, you know. Obviously the taste, you know, the taste is quite unique to any to any other ones out there as well. And a lot of that is to do with, of course, the, the sugar kelp. I think that's a, a huge part of it. But also I think the story, you know, the Isle of Harris distillery is there for you know, such social purposes. You know, we're known as the social distillery and that is really because we are there for the people of the island. As I mentioned at the start, the distillery was created to provide jobs and opportunities for islanders. And over the last four years, we've seen that all come into play. The jobs have been created in a variety of jobs as well, you know, from the, the girls and boys in the canteen, the tour guides, right up to the, the management and, and all the administration staff. It's created a wide range of jobs um, for the people of Harris and allowed you know people to move back and even some of our team have completely moved their life out there which is fantastic and that's the you know the way we do things maybe slightly different we don't sell in retail for example we all our sales are direct to the distillery and we try and make that a wee bit more um, accessible through our click and collect partners so it's a wee bit different and I think when people understand why and it's about you know keeping it direct to the island because we're putting as much into the small community as we can there's under 2,000 people live in Harris so it's very important that we keep them and we keep feeding into it so I think that the gin is so special in that way it's such a social purpose and then of course combined with the lovely bottle the taste it's a a great representation of of Harris. And you're the brand ambassador as I've mentioned so what can you tell us about your role what is it like, you know, because if anyone doesn't know, what, what, what is a brand ambassador? <laughs> I always find that's quite a hard question actually to answer because I think being a brand ambassador, there's there's so many different aspects to, to the role. It's, it's not just one straightforward job in a sense. But really being a brand ambassador, obviously you're, you know, representing the brand. So I've got the, the lovely job of being able to talk about I Love Harris Gin all day. So this could be to our on-trade accounts. So like the Hebridean that we're in just now, other plenty of other bars and restaurants around Glasgow have been hugely supportive of us. So part of that is going in and speaking to them, finding out how the gin's um, getting on, you know, doing events with them, working together, trying to support them in as many ways as we can. And also, you know, getting the gin into new places. It's always exciting when a new restaurant pops up or a new bar opens. And if they're, you know, wanting to sell I Love Harris Gin, then I would set that up for them. Another part of the of the job, as I've briefly mentioned, is events. So we do a lot of events with not just our own trade, but also our click and collect partners. So we gin tastings and working with them and, and 
also a variety of other events and supporting other brands out there. And it's just great, the people that you meet and the connections you can make, especially with the islands and the, the West Coast. I think that's a huge thing. People love a connection and you within a conversation you find out you're related and you, or you're a friend of a friend and it, you're never far from, from a connection uh, in places like Harris. And what might surprise people about your role? Is it the fact that you find out you've got friends of friends or related? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think that always does. I don't think I've actually ever done an event where I've not met someone that has either got a connection to Harris or a connection to one of the islands or a personal connection to myself somehow, um, which is great. Do you remember your first truly memorable gen- experience or was it one of those ones that you've forgotten? I know well that is that is definitely a tricky one but I do actually because I remember um, when I started going out for drinks with my friends they actually all used to laugh at me because I used to love drinking a gin and tonic and it was the days where they all went they would have their their vodkas or whatever different other spirits and I've always been a sort of gin fan I suppose even even back before this craze hit the market and now of course they're we all go out for drinks now and they all order four gin and tonics or whatever it might be. I remember the very first time I tried the Isle of Harris gin was in the Park Bar, a great pub in Glasgow I'm sure you're familiar with yourself. Uh, a lot of Islanders and Highlanders certainly are. And and it was served perfectly there with the grapefruit and everything. And it was a, a great place to enjoy your first sort of island gin experience. So you mentioned before that the distillery was built primarily as a whiskey distillery and you've got whiskey maturing in cast now. Can you tell us a bit about that and when will it be released? Yes, of course. So it's it's interesting, actually, because a lot of people still don't know that we're a whiskey distillery at heart. Obviously, the gin is the one that's out there in the shelves. It can be made a lot faster than, than whiskey, as you'll know. So that's why it, it was it was done first, to open the doors, get the jobs into the distillery, and, of course, fund the, the whiskey production. But every day now, during the week, our distillers are working very hard to produce what will be our single malt whiskey, the Herrick. So for anyone that doesn't know, the Herrick is a Gaelic word for someone from Harris. So if you're from Harris, you're a Herrick. <laughs> and it's a, I think it's a really fitting name actually for a whiskey because the distilleries obviously founded so much for the people of the island and they're really at the main main focus and the heart of the of it. So the Herrick is being, um, you know, it's getting distilled constantly and put into casks on the island. We've got an on-site warehouse and it's actually filled at the moment with private casks. So at the start, a lot of people, um, a lot of families, a lot of groups um, invest in private casks and it's got their name on it and the date the cast is filled and it's they all look really lovely and you can go and um, see them on the tours and people can go and have a wee look at their cask at any time and, and wonder what sort of magic's happening inside it. Uh, we also have another warehouse just a few miles north of the island as well um, as the production's increased in recent years we need to we needed to sort of expand and have a place to store it and the distillers are working hard throughout the week to, to do all the process of it. We also actually have an apprentice distiller um, Rebecca, who's a, a girl out of school, our first female distiller, and she's fantastic. And she's been trained up by by Kenny and the team on the island, and she will be part of, of the Herrick and of course the gym. In terms of our release date for the whiskey, there's no set um, time or date, so we're we're keeping everyone sort of on the edge of their seats, hopefully waiting for it. But we very very much look forward to it. And you can actually go and visit the distillery, can't you? So you've the tours and as well as like I've, we've mentioned the cafe with the cake and stuff. But you can you can go you can go on tours and see what probably I would imagine see the cast and see how the whiskey's made as well as the gin. Yes, is that right? yes, absolutely. So please, anyone out there that's coming to Harris in the summertime or, or whenever it might be, come come to the distillery and um, you can join a tour. 
And, you know, people are still surprised when they come on our tour that it's it's obviously a whiskey tour that they're, they're going on primarily and they expect it all to be about the gin. So, so do be prepared for a couple of drams uh, on the trip, but you will you will get the chance, obviously, to, to taste the gin and they, they talk about that too. And you can go right into our spirit hall, see the distillers all at work. You'll be surprised that actually just a wee corner of that big room that's for the gin, it's just a wee, the daughter, the still there is very small and the majority is for the for the single malt which will be the Herak washbacks and the stills there and it all looks fantastic and you can see how that all works and then you can actually go down to where some of the private casts are held and look through the window to, to the team in the bottling hall who work very hard at bottling and labelling and packaging up the gin and, and sending it off to everyone. And um, just to finish up, we're obviously we're in February, but what are you most looking forward to this year with regards to your work with Harris Gin? Well, this year we're excited to, you know, we're into 2020. It's our fifth year at the distillery. And I suppose we're just looking forward to continuing working as a team. They're a nice close-knit team. And the team in Harris will be looking forward to welcoming all the new tourists and locals and visitors to the island, especially as they, they come in in the summer months. And then myself and my colleagues, uh, Callum and Rachel, we are our sort of mainland team, so we're the only three at the moment that are currently um, off the island. You know, as I've mentioned before, the, the priority is the jobs on Harris. So the three of us are, are out on our own between Glasgow, Edinburgh and London. And we're looking forward to continuing to share the story. Um, we do a lot of events and we love meeting new customers and hearing their own experiences of the distillery, the island, the gin, and, and talking all about what it's done for the island of Harris. And the distillery, we've also got a few new exciting things coming up. One actually being the, you might have seen it on our journal articles if you if you follow them on a, a Friday um, afternoon but um, we're doing a distillery tweed. So last year uh, we launched a competition for school children. So it's so important Harris that we get the community involved in, in everything we do and everyone feels that sense of pride I suppose about, about the distillery. So we reached out to school children in the Western Isles and we asked them to design an Isle of Harris distillery tweed. Of course Harris tweed is so famous uh, in Harris, we're surrounded by it here in the Hebridean. If you visited the distillery you'll notice there's a, a whole wall of tweed actually as you go in. So it'd be so nice to have our own one. The school children then came up with amazing designs and designs that reflected Harris, they reflected the distillery, the gin, the whiskey and they were shortlisted and then the community came in and did a ballot and there was votes and the final design was was selected and it's absolutely amazing, um, a local schoolboy, and um, we're really excited to, to see that come out hopefully this year at some point. We've also got Stevie, Stevie Passmore who works in a distillery and in his spare time he is a weaver of the tweed so what you'll find in islands is a lot of people have not just one job but they have about two or three so um, Stevie and his, and his time also weaves Harris Tweed so it's fantastic they've got someone in the distillery that is able to to do that. I'm not sure I think it's quite a long process um, for him as he as he pedals it all but we'll be really excited to, to see that coming forward hopefully this year. So now we're going to move on to the section of the podcast which is Desert Island either jams or drinks so are you a whiskey drinker or would you prefer to talk about your three drinks? I think probably talk about my three drinks. I do enjoy uh, a dram as well but um, I think anyone out there that knows me will, will know that I'm probably better in the, the well I'll, I'll, I'll reveal all I suppose <laughs> the question. <laughs> so if you were stranded on a desert island what three drinks would you take with you and why? 
Um, well, definitely Isle of Harris Gin. It's a no-brainer. Also Prosecco. Uh, all my friends will know I'm, I'm quite a Prosecco lover. And a third one, I would, I suppose, a bit similar to Prosecco, but a white wine. So I'm too adventurous when it comes to the, the drinks. Harris Gin and Prosecco keeps me quite happy. <laughs> so you'll be having like a party to yourself on the island. Absolutely. <laughs> and the final section of the podcast is a quickfire round called My Life and Food. So I'll ask you some questions and if you just answer as quickly as you can to sort of showcase your, your relationship with food and drink. Okay. <laughs> so what food brings back childhood nostalgia? Oh, it's really, really tricky. I would weirdly say mince and potatoes because my granny and grandpa, that's what they always made us and it's very fond memories of, of always having to eat that <laughs> every Wednesday night down there. It's a good Scottish staple there. <laughs> and if you were to cook yourself a meal in an hour, what would it be? Oh, I would probably say some sort of pasta dish. That's usually my go-to if I don't have much time. I do love cooking, but if I don't have much time to look up something new, then I quite like a chicken pesto pasta um, or a, a nice beef pasta dish as well. What's your food guilty pleasure? Oh, definitely chocolate. I've definitely got a sweet tooth. I absolutely love a dessert in a, in a restaurant. Every time I go out for dinner, I'll save myself for the pudding. <laughs> so more of a dessert rather than a starter person? Definitely. <laughs> and you're in a bar at 1am, what do you order? Oh, a Harris Gin, of course. A Harris Gin and Tonic. <laughs> if you knew it was going to be your last meal, what would you choose? Oh, that is a tricky one. Oh, I was even be some sort of seafood. I, I really love seafood and it goes perfectly with Harris Gin. So, of course, that would be a nice a nice mix for last meal. So maybe a, a nice salmon and, and roast potatoes and uh, all the sort of veg and trimmings. That'd be nice and healthy. <laughs> yeah, lovely. <laughs> okay, well, thank you very much, Iona. That's a really interesting insight into Harris Gin. For anyone that doesn't know about the distillery, um, it's been great to find out a bit more about that, the, the job opportunities that have come from it, and, of course, the amazing bottle, which I think we all probably have at least one of in our house. <laughs> thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. You can download Scran wherever you listen to your podcasts, but for exclusive, interactive, immersive content, download the Entail app for iOS and Android. If you like what you've heard, please rate and review Scran and help other listeners discover us too. This is a Laudable production for The Scotsman. You can find out more about Laudable and its other local podcasts by following on Twitter where we are at Laudable Pods and Instagram by searching Laudable underscore podcasts. 